Last Sunday, we heard from this pulpit the voices, the very courageous, authentic voices of seven of our youth. And I want to say, if you haven't heard it yet, stop what you're doing and go play. Go to the website and find them and listen to them from last week. They were tremendous. And as I sat up here humbled and in awe listening to what they had to say, I thought, what a year. We've been in the midst of this pandemic where our, our lives have been altered and changed so many times over the last 14 plus months. And yet, despite all the things that got in the way, despite the challenges to gathering together, to being together, to learning together, it was quite something to hear their stories, to hear what is important to them and to hear how they, how these youth of our congregation are living out their lives of faith. It humbled me too. I have deep gratitude for Tom and his work with them as our youth minister, for the mentors, the adults who've stepped alongside these youth, but also for our whole church, for all the people of St. John's, and the way in which we encourage and support and make space for our children, for our youth, to learn and grow. Well, while we got to hear from them last week, yesterday, we gathered with Bishop Mark and many other youth and I think some grown-ups from the diocese for a service of confirmation. It happened outside at Blackie's Pasture. And I've, been to a, I've never been to a service of eco-confirmation. It was quite something, and it felt really right in the culmination of this year. All of us were standing around in a big circle, under the sky, with the water, with the birds. We told the story, the story beginning with the beginning of things. The story was told in this circular, unfolding pattern. We prayed prayers, we sang songs together, and then the bishop prayed over each of the people gathered who've chosen to commit themselves to this life of faith, in particular in our Episcopal tradition. We as human creatures have tremendous capacity to change to respond, to make space for the new and to care for each other. When I think about the shift that happened globally over a year ago and the shifts that are still happening, sometimes I find myself, um, right now I find myself caught in a little cognitive dissonance. I'm like, is it really okay that I'm not wearing a mask right now? I wanna protect all of you, I wanna protect myself. Like the, the rules, the guidelines keep changing and we keep changing along with them to care for each other. We have two stories this morning that speak about the way God works, the way God's kingdom works in the world. So in the, in the gospel, in, in Mark, this story about the seed that is scattered and sown and then nothing happens to it, it just grows of its own, it's something that is unique to Mark's stories. Jesus is offering a parable. He's offering a story. He's offering us a glimpse of how to see the kingdom of God. 
I find often with the parables, you know, godly play talks about they're, they're a gift. There's, there's a mystery involved, just like there's a mystery involved with the kingdom of, of God. And we need to be in the right space, open, in which to receive or enter into these stories. And sometimes for me, if I, if I try to drill in too deeply, like logically through the center of the story, I don't catch it in the same way as if I let it work around the edges. Does that make sense? You know, sometimes when I'm working through a problem or, or thinking through a sermon or working out an issue, if I spend too much time like going through it step by step, I, I get lost a little bit. But if I go do something like go for a walk, for me it's frequently a, a yoga practice, the story, like working around the edges, comes into place. Well, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like seed that is scattered on the ground, and then the person who does the scattering, they leave. They go about their day. They go to sleep, they wake up, they eat their breakfast, they're doing their thing day after day, not, not tending to the seed, not tending to the garden in which the seed is growing, just going about living their life. And yet, that seed drops into the dark earth. The earth nurtures and provides for it. A little rain, a little sun, and then the seed sprouts a shoot that begins to grow. It grows and eventually becomes grain, which when the harvest is ready, the grain is harvested, and that grain then becomes nourishment for the people. So God's kingdom is like something that grows on its own. It doesn't actually need our work or our effort. It doesn't need for us to monitor it as well. We don't need to clear the way. It happens and it grows. The other story we have is that God's kingdom is like a mustard seed. Now, mustard seeds, I imagine many of us have some at home in our spices. They're, they're pretty tiny. I don't think they're quite the smallest of seeds, but 2,000 years ago, quite likely, they were the smallest of seeds. And the small, tiny seed can grow into quite an expansive bush. Jesus says God's kingdom is like a mustard seed that grows into this bush that grows and eventually creates space for the birds of the air to find shelter and rest. Now the thing where Jesus is kind of flipping things upside down is you would think if we were talking about the grandeur of God's kingdom, he would say God's kingdom is like a redwood tree. It is like a grand regal forest or any other grand, strong tree that you can imagine, that, that they all grow from a much smaller seed. But what the listeners, what those who were listening to him would have known is that the mustard seed, the mustard bush, was more like a weed. You actually didn't want the mustard plant to be growing amongst your garden or amongst your field because it would take over. It was like a weed that once it got in there, it just grew and grew and grew until it spread out. So it wasn't this grand tree. It just spread and kept going and going and going and created space for the birds. I was reading a reflection written by somebody, and they, they pointed out that in, in God's garden, there's no need for a scarecrow. 
Normally, if you are cultivating a carefully tended garden, you don't want the birds to get in there because of what they might eat, how they might mess up the carefully arranged and structured garden you have planned. But God's kingdom, it's like a garden where it doesn't matter. It gets on in there. It grows of its own. It spreads the birds the least. Those on the fringes, those on the edges of things have a place. The other story that we heard from this morning is from the Hebrew scriptures, and it's a, it's a transition where the new king is being anointed, is being um, chosen, set apart, and anointed. God has go- grown frustrated with the choices of the former king of the Israelites, and God says to his prophet, go to this family, do it in this way, It was a little bit dangerous because if the current king had found out that his replacement was being selected and it was not part of his family, it was not one of his sons, it would have been problems. So go to this family a little bit in secret and trust, trust that everything is going to be okay. And I will reveal to you who I have chosen to lead my people as king. And so the prophet goes And he approaches the father, and the father brings out all of his sons. And you would think in the story that the person that God chose was the eldest, the firstborn son. Because that's usually the way of things. And yet, in a flip, the prophet makes it through all of the sons that have been brought before him. And keeps thinking, oh, it must be this one. He is so strong and Powerful. Oh, nope. Okay, it must be this next one. It must be this next one. He gets all through all the sons that he sees, and God has not spoken yet to him. And so then he asks Jesse, the father, are there any more? I know you've brought all these sons up. Are there any more? And Jesse's like, well, just the youngest, David. And he's out with the sheep. Wouldn't be him. And God says to his prophet, remember, I don't see as you see. I look upon the heart. I look upon what's inside. And lo and behold, it is David who is anointed, and it is David who is lifted up as the king of Israel, who unites, who, who unites the people together. It is David who writes many of the psalms that we pray still today. It is David who is, has a devotional practice of dancing before the Lord, of praying before the Lord, of being a human being who messes up plenty and yet returns and returns to God. Do we have eyes to see? Do we have ears to hear? God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is growing and God's kingdom is taking over. Now, I don't, I don't believe that God forces God's self or God's kingdom upon us. I believe God invites. I believe that all we need to do is lean into the work that God, the Holy Spirit, is about in this place, in this earth. Lean into that work and let it sweep us up and carry us along pandemic has brought um, sadness and suffering, grief for those we love we have lost, 
the grief for a way of life that we have lost. The pandemic has also worked to help reveal some of those ways that we as a people are lost and sick and broken and need God's healing spirit to enter in. My invitation to all of us as we are emerging from this pandemic time, as we are figuring out what it means once again to be God's people, because we have this beautiful opportunity to create something new and yet to still be who we are, God's beloved children. My invitation these days is to seek out the kingdom. Look for the kingdom in the places you don't expect it. Look for God's love in the places where it doesn't seem like it would be. We come here into the space, we gather for the service to sing and learn and pray, to be shaped into God's children with eyes for the kingdom. And then we take our bodies, ourselves, out into our lives, and we seek the kingdom, and we reveal the kingdom, and we manifest the kingdom in the ways in which we live out our day-to-day. Just like the person in the, in the gospel story who scatters the seed and then goes about his day living his life out, the kingdom grows in the ways that we live out our life of faith in the world. The word was present at the beginning of things. Christ is working in all things and through us and among us. How will we, as the people of St. John's, continue to reveal this love, this growth, this kingdom of God in our own lives, in our life as a community, and in our lives out in the world?